it's just done some rekindling between me and my wife and and practicing these truths and these principles over again has really been a blessing i, I mean i've i preach on this stuff for probably 20 years 25 years and and this it's just been it's just the same stuff but it's good it's the word of god and it just reminds us of how we are supposed to be to each other uh, this message is no different so if you will open your bibles to first corinthians chapter 13 um as we dive into this this morning, the title of the message is How to Grow and Deepen Our Relationship. And we really want to focus on that deepen our relationship. Can, can everybody see pretty well back there? The guy in charge of our lights is not here. He's back working. Looks a little dark back there. So if you, if, if, uh, you need one more light. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, our purpose at Real Life is to, um, is to help people find and follow Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? That's our purpose. And so we're really doing good finding, but we're really struggling as a brand new church. We need to bring somebody in here to do, to do some discipling. But God has been blessing us with a lot of people getting saved in the last three months. And we praise the Lord. Uh, last week is no different. Uh, we had uh, a few people get saved last week up here Cynthia, where's Cynthia at? All right, Cynthia, just go ahead and stand if you will. She, last week on her way to the meeting with me, we talked last week about um, the gospel track that we have that shows person how to be saved. Well, she was reading that, and on her way to meet me, she prayed and received Jesus Christ as her Savior. Amen? Amen. Thank you, sister. We appreciate it. She's going she's to be baptized on the 20th, so we praise the Lord, her, her and her husband both. Uh, then also, we had a meeting last week... Uh, uh, with another couple in our church, brand new to our church, uh, Brian and Sarah. Why don't you raise your hand? They both prayed and received Jesus Christ as their Savior last week. We praise the Lord for what God is doing in their life as well. And others, I apologize if, if uh, I have not got to you and have you stand, but eventually we'll, we'll definitely do it on the 20th when you get baptized. Amen? So anyway, how to grow and deepen our relationship. So... In marriage, or in life really, in general, lie, our life is constantly changing. Um, our bodies are changing, our looks are changing, and um, our families are changing. Our kids grow up, they go off and get married, or they go off and go to college, and all of a sudden they pop out these grandkids, they, these beautiful little uh, children, and, and just fantastic stuff. But there's, so this constant change in it does something in our lives because our jobs change and, and relationships change. But one thing that never changes, and that's God's everlasting love. It is the foundation of a stable life. And that's what we'd like to have is a stable. God's love is reliable, unchanging, consistent, and enduring. Look with me, if you will, at uh, Jeremiah 31, 3. And uh, it says, the Lord, long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love how I dr have I drawn you. So, so God has loved us with this everlasting love. Listen to what the King James says. It's pretty close. It says, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, yea, have I loved thee with an everlasting love. That never changes. And that is amazing 
that God's love, you have as much of God's love as you're ever going to have. Nor is there ever a time when you're not going to have God's love. It's never going to diminish. Isn't that amazing? Because most people love us based on our condition and our, how we behave and how we respond to them. God's love doesn't waver. Now, not just that. There's so much more. God doesn't stop there. He wants us to love each other, especially our spouses, the way he has loved us with that everlasting love, that agape love. Now, let me explain what agape love is. Agape, most of you already know this because we've talked about this all the time. Agape love is, is that kind of love that you're doing what's best for the other person, even if it causes sacrifice. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. All right? That's the kind of agape love that God's talking about. And he commands us to love our spouses with that same kind of love. How's that possible? But that's what the command is. He commands us. Look at John chapter 15, verse 12, up on your screen. Excuse me. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now, this is not a commentary that we're going to talk about this morning. My commentary on the scripture. We're looking straight at the book. Straight at the word of God. And we're going to draw some things that thrill my soul i mean i hope the word of god excites you like it excites me i mean i'm telling you this is not this is not a counseling session this is the word of god directly to us as it is this is not the world's philosophy and their teaching they have no understanding this is the word of the living god as we're going to see in just a moment anybody can fall in love it's like falling into a ditch i love you Okay, but to stay in love is so much more. All right. And there's so much coming against us to cause our relationship to last hundreds, if not thousands. There's there's differences, disagreements, discord, disappointment, the horrible deeds, the defeats, the distance, the doubts, the difficulties, the diseases, the demands. All of these things actually come against our relationship. But love is a choice. In spite of all those things, love goes through and literally makes that choice. Now, you say, oh, I want my husband to love me because he feels it. Well, the feelings come after we choose to love. Okay? God chose us to love each other. God cho- calls us to love our spouse. The Bible says in, in Ephesians 5.25, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a command and gave himself. Then Titus says um, to the elder women, teach the younger women to love their husbands. All right, so all through the scripture, the Bible even tells us to love our enemies. And sometimes that can be difficult. So love is a choice to choose what is best for them rather than ourselves. That's real agape love. It's unselfish. It's not easy. Definitely can be painful. So let's, let's jump into scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read verse 7 first. All these three, three truths that we're going to draw out come from this portion of scripture, which of course is the Valentine. Everybody goes to this chapter on Valentine's, but it really is not. It's just, it's just love. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. 
Love endures through every circumstance. Then we're going to go to verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Now we're going to draw three. So I want you to take out your notes. I want you to write this down. Those of you that are younger, take it down because you need it. Those of us that are older, man, we really need it, right? All right, so write this down, these, these points, so that you can refer back to this because this is, this is some great, great truth. Number one, okay? Love, if, now if we're going to have, understand this, if we're going to have a growing, deepening relationship, there's three things we need to practice. Number one, love practices patience. Love practices grace. Remember what verse 4 said? It said, love is patient. All right? And, and I'm going to be referring back to patience and grace over and over in this one point. And we're going to, do, we're going to spend most of our time on this thought. We'll, we'll try to get to the other two as well. But mainly this thought. So listen, if you're single, you still need to take notes. All right? Because you're going to need this stuff. Okay? This is the Word of God. It's going to help us to grow, grow and deepen our relationship. Okay, so love practices patience. Now, every day we need to practice graciousness, mercy, forgiveness, and patience. Why? <laughs> because we are in a relationship, and I'll walk softly here, on two imperfect people. Can I hear an amen? How many here are perfect? Just one. Amen. Well, there's two. Oh, half of one over there. One perfect one. You married a perfect one. Amen. And over there's Tim married a half a perfect woman. All right. It's like this. Okay. No man raised their hand. That's understandable. All right. Okay. So, so we have these. Into, so it, it, marriage needs a lot of grace, a lot of patience, a lot of forgiveness because there's a lot to put up with. Okay. We... We are imperfect people, and so, and then we have our own ideas, and so we come together to live together, and there's problems. And so we need to extend this grace. We need to practice this truth over and over every single day as we get older. As, as we, the longer we're together, you'd think, ah, it's easy to forgive once. It's easy to have grace once. It's easy to be patient once. But come on now, I, I, I endured you yesterday. Uh, uh, this has been a year now. I've been having to practice this. It, it's non-ending. Remember, love never gives up. Never loses hope. It doesn't. So, so let me give you three areas where you need to practice this. When you need to practice uh, this. This is practical stuff. Okay? Three areas that you need to practice this. Number one. You need to practice extending patience, grace, number one, when your spouse's flaws and their faults irritate you. Has that ever happened? (laughs) Of course it has. And it consistently happened. And the longer we're married together, the the more we see the flaws. Isn't that true? And we have a choice. You have a choice to be critical and picky are graceful and kind. That's the two options you have. There is no other way. So as these things come up, you can be critical, you can be mean, or you can be, you know, gracious and kind. Now, 
I want to go to uh, Proverbs 17.9. This is so good. Okay? This is what I'm talking about the Bible. It's, it's fantastic. Look at this. Love prospers. How many want a prospering love? How many want their love to deepen, to grow? I mean, we all do. We want this, we want this connection that, that, that we just want to have our spouses and us be closest friends, intimate friends. Is there any woman here that doesn't want that with their husband? No, we all do. Okay, so guess what? This verse is going to talk about it. Love prospers. It deepens. I mean, it accelerates when a fault is forgiven. It only happens when you want your love to prosper. You want your love to deepen. You want your love to grow. It happens when they're perfect. Are they meet my expectations? Love prospers only when faults are forgiven. Okay? Everybody catch that? This is, this is fantastic stuff. This is the Word of God. This is not a counseling session. This is the book. Okay? Love prospers when faults is forgiven. But dwelling on it. Now, what does it refer to? The faults. Dwelling on the faults. What's the word dwelling? Can I get it? Focusing only on the faults. None of us do that, do we? Sometimes we get in that mood. Can I hear an amen? And that's all we can see. Okay? Love prospers when faults are forgiven, but dwellers on the faults separates closest friends. So close friends, okay? So, so we want this intimacy, but when we hang on to stuff that they do, it just separates. In other words, no longer do you have this deep, this connection. Why? Because we are focusing, dwelling on the negatives, on the things that separate us, on the irritation. Love chooses to forgive. It's a choice. Now, forgiveness simply means this. Okay? Understand. You did this to me. All right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a bill of sale. It says paid in full. I forgive you. I release you. You owe me nothing. Okay? You're free. I'm not going to hold you. Here's your bill of sale. Give it to them. You're, you're free. So, so then they put it in their wallet. Next time you bring it up, they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought I was forgiven for that. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? See, that's forgiveness. Total releasing from any obligation. So what happens when we dwell on it? It separates closest friends. I mean, is that good? Can I hear an amen? Fantastic. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. That really wasn't a very strong amen. So hopefully we'll get a better one here, all right? Okay, always be, always be humble and gentle. Now that's a command. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's what? Faults. Because of your what? What's the purpose of me overcoming and, and, and allowing and forgiving these faults? What's the purpose? Our love. Our love. Our relationship is more vital than anything. Okay, but here's what I want you to see. Always be humble and gentle. 
Don't raise your hand. How many are here humble? How many here are gentle? <laughs> Let's do a test. You want to do a test? I mean, seriously. I mean, we all consider ourselves gentle, and we all consider ourselves loving. Then the question would be, how critical are you of other people's faults? How critical are you of other people's faults? Put this verse into that question. Okay? If you're humble, if you're gentle, you make allowances because you understand you're a mess yourself. Okay? You understand. So you make allowances for other people's fault because, the, okay, so, so, so here's where I'm going, okay? If you're critical of your spouse and you're picky of your spouse, you are being prideful. Some of you are smiling. You knew where I was going, didn't you? Uh-huh. You're not being humble. You're not obeying the scripture. You're actually prideful. You are actually, you know, lifting yourself up. When you begin to pick at everybody else around you, especially your spouse, that God commands us to be humble and gentle. Man, I could drop a pin and hear it bouncing. Can I hear an amen? amen. A bold amen. amen. All right, good. I'm glad you're with me. All right, so that was number one. Number two, when we should practice showing patience and grace, all right, when their words and their actions hurt me. So if we want our relationship to grow and to deepen, we can't hold on to the past hurts. Now, I want to go to Proverbs 17, 9 again. And I want to bring this up, but this time in the living translation. Okay? Is that red word? <laughs> None of us do that, right? Love forgets mistakes. Nagging. I just like that word. Okay? Just wanted to bring it up. Nagging parts about them, parts the best of friends. So, again, just reiterate. When somebody has a fault, we forgive them for our relationship's sake. But if we don't, we nag, it pushes each other apart. All right? That's why we are to forgive. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Just look at these next two verses as as I read them because we need to move along. Hatred stirs up trouble. Love overlooks faults that that others do. Okay? Proverbs 19.11, sensible people control their temper. Temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. All right, number three. Okay, the third thought. The third reason we should practice patience and practice grace is when they sin. When they sin. Okay. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Again, Scripture's so good. The end of the world is coming soon. <laughs> Starts out with that. Now, how many believe the end of the world is coming soon? This is, this is very important stuff. As we look at our nation and we look at the direction of the world and we look at people's attitudes and we look at home life and all this stuff, man, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, therefore, because the end of the world is coming soon, be earnest 
and discipline in your prayers. Now let's, let's bank there for a moment. Be earnest. All right. The end of the world is coming. So, so, so be earnest when you communicate with God and ask for him to move in people's lives. Right? Because the end of the world is coming. I mean, that's what we think of this. Be sincere. Be earnest. I mean, God, move in these people. But we don't want them left behind when the rapture takes place. We just don't want that. So, Lord, I'm, I'm begging you, please, earnestly crying out to you, move in people's hearts and lives. Be earnest and disciplined. Practice discipline. Okay? In your prayer life. Now, that's important. Notice the next verse, how it starts out. Most important of all, huh? What could be more important than my prayer life? What could be more important than the end of time coming and the rapture taking place and, and a lot of people being left behind? I mean, to, to endure the tribulation period. I mean, how and what, whatever's next, is the, what could be more important? He's going to tell us. It's not that it's more important, but see, if you don't get this right, this isn't going to happen. As we're going to see. When you're fussing at your spouse and you're fussing with people around you and you have all these problems with all these people, then God isn't even going to hear your prayers. It isn't going to happen. It's like you are praying and it's bouncing off the ceiling because it is. That's what he says here. Okay. Most important of all. That's good. Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Here's the idea. That your love for each other is so vital that it affects our relationship and our answered prayers to the Father. I mean, God is... God moves in the affairs of men. And when you bow your head and you, you usher to the throne of the Father and you begin to pray about something specific, the Father leans over and listens. And if we know that He leans over and listens, we know He has every intent in answering. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. Okay? I mean, that's good stuff. The Father's listening to every word I say. But when I have odds with my brothers and my sisters, and especially my spouse, as 1 Peter 3, 7 says, that husbands, if you have a problem with your wife, you're not even going to, God's not even going to answer your prayer. That's the idea. So here, okay, continually show. How do you show? Forgive. Be patient. All right? Because it covers, it covers a multitude of sins. You can overlook flaws when you show this deep commitment with each other. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, basically says the same thing. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, notice that word remember. Remember. So he says, forgive one another. Why? Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Okay, others. I mean, there's this, we don't want this conflict going on. We want to have this intimate depth relationship. And the way we can have this, as we learned from Proverbs 17, 9, is that we forgive, we release, and it helps us to grow in that deep relationship. All right, number four. That's page four. Okay, I got 20 pages. Is that okay? All right, number two. Love practices faith. Let's go back to chapter seven. 
1 Corinthians 13, 7 says this. Love never gives up. Never what? Loses what? Faith. So when we're talking about faith, we're talking about believing in other people. Love always hopes, always believes. Love believes in people. And I believe it builds confidence when you believe in somebody. When you trust them, they blossom. Okay? But again, faith in someone, trust in someone is definitely a choice. There's three kinds of people. Okay? There's the gullible people that believe everything, right? Every single thing. The cynical people that believe in no one, nothing. They're very suspicious. And then there's loving people who are constantly giving people the benefit of doubt. In, in uh, James, or excuse me, Mark chapter 6 and verse 5, Jesus is going to his hometown as he's here on earth. So he goes back to his hometown. And everywhere he's gone, he's done mighty, powerful miracles. Everywhere he's gone. He comes to his hometown, and notice what it says. Because of their unbelief in him, because of their doubt in him, he couldn't do any mighty miracles. In the King James, it says, couldn't do many mighty miracles. Here it says, any mighty miracles among them, except uh, lay their hands on a few people and heal them. So basically, their unbelief in Jesus shackled his hands, so to speak. That he couldn't do the raising of the dead. He couldn't healing uh, uh, of those that were, the, that were lame. He couldn't do what he normally did as he goes to all these other towns. Because of their lack of faith. They didn't trust him. Just as an application, how many people, because we know trusting people inspires them. When a football player fumbles the ball, when you were in high school and college, when a football player fumbles the ball, how does the coach just instill confidence back in them? Put them back in the game, give them the ball as quickly as possible. It encourages, it just, it just does something to them, helps them to get over it. Having faith in people causes them to blossom. Okay? Now, how many people in your life, because of the pickiness, because of the, the, the nagging and not having faith in them, are, are you shackling them from blossoming? How many people in your life, because they didn't have faith in you, they didn't trust in you, actually shackled you in your life? Okay? This is a powerful truth. Believing in somebody inspires them. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a story about me and Judy. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a lot. I, I wish I could go in detail, but I'm just going to give you part of the story, all right? When, when um, I was graduating Bible college, uh, seemed like I went for 20 years. It was only four. Seemed like 20 years. But uh, six months were coming on getting ready to graduate, right? I, had no, I didn't know where I was going, okay? Uh, during that time, I thought for sure God was calling me back to Bloomington, Indiana, because in Bloomington, there was a four-year period there that I really, in my teen years, I really got into a lot of sin. So I thought, and I went to several churches. I was searching 
went to several churches. I went forward in a lot of churches. I, I'm hungry because of my upbringing. I want to know if there's a God out there. People would come and they'd lay hands on me and they'd do all this kind of speaking in tongues and all this kind of, and, and hit me, you know. I'm, I'm thinking they're trying to hit me to get me to wake up or something, but nothing, nothing happened, you know. And I went to all these churches and, and watched the, went to all these, these things, uh, the thief in the night, you know, that was big back then. That tells you how old I am. I shouldn't have said that, but it does. Okay. All these movies and different things. And so I thought God was calling me back, but he didn't. And I, I, I worked on it. So I come to four, six months before I graduated. I didn't know. So I began to pray specifically, God, where do you want me to go? And as I began to pray, God pointed out through some circumstances, Nebraska, big time needy, Western Iowa, big time needed churches. Finally, God revealed to me, I want you to go to Nebraska. There's this town there, about 20,000 people. I want you to go. So I go to my wife. I say, honey, we're going to Nebraska. She goes, what? No, she doesn't. Where's Nebraska? <laughs> uh, so I said, I'm going to plant a church there. And, of course, uh, I'd never planted a church before. Never pastored before. I told her, honey, we have $175 promised. Okay, I'm not going to work. I'm just going to plant this church. Okay, we get out there. We get this. I told her we got this house that right on the main drag. We're going to rent. We're going to start the church in, on the on the main floor. You know what she said? She said, "Okay." No doubt. No disbelief. Now, on the other hand, okay, I went to several of my mentors. I went to my preacher. I walked into my preacher. Kid you not, church of 4,000 people. Walked into my preacher, made an appointment, went in there, told him I'm going to Nebraska. He said, you'll never be able to do that. I said, well, God's calling me. And I mean, he stood up and he began to, Dr. Greg Dixon began to yell at me that this is impossible. I don't know if he's talking about me (laughs) or what he was talking about. Actually, I do know what he's talking about. But the point is, I went to other mentors and my father-in-law was very smart. He never said a word. <laughs> never said a word of encouraging. Never said a word of negativity. Just didn't say, I don't know. You know I, I wanted some affirmation. Can you feel me? Going this far away. And, and of course, my friends will say, Fleener, you're going to get out there. You're going to starve to death. Because they didn't understand Nebraska. And you're going to come back and you have to live with your in-laws. I mean, literally, they told me this. But Judy believed in me, inspired me. And we get out there, and sure, the first six weeks were pretty bad, pretty lame. Not one person came to church. Not one. And I preached every Sunday morning in Sunday school, every Sunday morning worship, Sunday night, and Wednesday night to my wife (laughs) and my four children. Every service, four times a week. But she stood there, and she, I know God's going to use you. I know he's going to use you. The next Sunday, there was this gal that come through the back door she sat right by the door she said the reason she sat there mary players case we were a cult she could scoot out the door fast <laughs> all right so she gets there and i go visit her great lady looking for a church come from south carolina the next sunday she has six kids the next sunday she comes back she brings three other families with a slew of kids <laughs> our house was buzzing and God never stopped blessing since then. 
Within three years, we're having this building program. We had to move out of the house, and we had to go to another. And we had, within five years, we had this brand new building that hosts 300 people. I mean, God was blessing by leaps and bounds. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? You just don't know how much you hold people back when you're negative. Because we begin, we're weak. And we begin to compare ourselves with other people, don't we? I can't do that. I can't do that. And I wish I could go into to more detail about me personally, but it's about us, not, not my story. It's, it's about our relationship. Love always builds up. Always, always hopes for the best confidence. Faith lifts up constantly. That is a powerful, powerful truth. You say, yeah, but you just don't know all the pain that I've been through. You just don't know what they've done. Yeah, but the Bible says, remember, love never loses faith. But, and there is circumstance there. Well, what if I just can't trust my spouse? I mean, that's logical, right? Trust God. Trust God. Yeah, sometimes you can't trust your spouse. They, they've done, but you can trust God. Look, listen to Psalm 62, 8. Trust God all the time. So no matter what you're going through, trust God all the time. Because of the upbringing I went with some unfaithfulness with my mother and me watching all this, I didn't trust women. When I first got saved, I just didn't trust my wife. I struggled in this area. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I struggled. So I had, because of women always being unfaithful, it was always the woman's fault. Can I hear an amen? That's what Adam said, right? Okay, so, you know, I, so what did I do? I began to trust God, understanding it was me. Not her, it was me. So I was able to go to the Father and say, Father, she's yours. I trust you with everything. Help me to trust her. And so before you know it, God blessed. So trust God even when you can't trust your spouse. Number three, let's move right along because we've got to get through this. Doing pretty good though. Love practices endurance, okay? Chooses to endure the worst. Let's go back to verse seven. First Corinthians 13 and verse 7. It's not important. Yeah, I'm going to read it because it's, it's uh, actually 13, 7. All right? We'll go back to the, the previous verse you had on the last two points. Uh, verse 7. Love never gives up, never loses hope, is always, or never loses faith, is always hopeful, and then notice this. Love endures through every circumstance. Circle every and put your circumstance right there. Is this powerful? Is this applicable? I mean, there are, this verse right here, there are books after books after books after books after books written on how to be loving. How to not give up. How to, how to have faith, how to have hope, how to endure. And there's books of the books of the books. But look what the word says. I mean, it's just one verse. Isn't it good? 
This book is so powerful, and it cuts down to the inner core of our lives and helps us to choose what's right. Okay? We can endure the worst. You don't know what kind of pain I've been through. Okay? Don't waste it then. Don't waste the pain. Look what 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says. God comforts us in all of our troubles. We can say an amen to that, can't we? He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So, God says that struggle that you've gone through, those troubles, don't waste them. Take them. I can comfort you if you let me. That's what it says. He comforts us. He comes beside us. He encourages us. He builds us up and tells us how valuable we are to him. He loves us and he he gives us his spirit and encourages us to, to literally tackle the enemy with his book. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, okay? So we can take all that and let him encourage us, let him teach us, and then we can take that same stuff as other people go through and we can minister, we can be God's minister in relationships. Minister through the trouble that we've gone through and how we got victory by looking to God, letting him comfort us, choosing to follow, we can literally turn around and use what we've gone through to help other people as they go through their problems. Okay? Another, another verse I'm going to give you real quick. A couple, actually, a couple more verses. Okay, and we're done. In Job chapter 14, I, I didn't give this to uh, them to put on the screen. Job chapter 6, verse 4 says this. When desperate people give up on God Almighty. Mm. Who's desperate people? Those that are backslidden. Now listen very carefully. When people are backslidden, This is in Job 6.14. You need to write it down so you can go study it. When desperate people give up on God, their friends at least should stick with them. That's the message. Translation. Let me say it again. When desperate people give up on God, that's backsliders. How many of us backslide sometimes? How many of you never backslide? Ah, All of us do. Okay? We're all a mess. Okay, when desperate people backslide, just put that translation, their friends at least should stick with them. When a friend turns from the Lord, that's the time you stick with that time. You, 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 you jump to their help. You, you be there for them, not not step away from them. You should be there for them in that moment. That's God's word. Love practices grace, patience. Love practices faith. Love practices endurance. This is God's word. And this is simple. I mean, so plain. People people might say, you know, this is is not very deep. (laughs) We don't need to be deep, do we? We need to know the book. And the book is very, very deep honest and open so these are the three things i couldn't pull all of them out of corinthians because it's too much but i give you at least three things we need to practice 
And so let's just, let's just pray to God this morning that he would help us and even commit to yourself this morning. God, help me to practice patience. Help me to practice faith. Help me to practice endurance. So let's just, let's just bow our heads for a moment. And let's, let's go. How many with heads bowed, eyes closed would say, Brother Tim, and I'm going to pray this morning. And I'm going to pray for those that raise their hand that need help in this area. Brother Tim, would you pray for me that I will practice faith in my spouse? Just keep your hands down for a moment until I get through this. Brother Tim, pray for me that I'll, I'll be able to, to show faith in my husband, my wife. I'll show grace. I'll show endurance. Uh, if you want me to pray for your marriage, to just blossom. And what did the first verse say? Prosper. So that you can have this intimacy. If you want that this morning, I want to pray for you. Just lift up your hand and hold it up real quick. Just hold it up high. You want this in your relationship. You want this in your marriage. And you want me to pray for you. Just lift up your hands high. Hold them up high. All over the place. Amen. Amen. Those of you that raised your hand, would you just do this? Do me a favor. Would you just stand right where you are? I'm going to pray for you guys. And I'm going to pray for your marriage. Just stand right where you are. And I'm going to specifically bring you to the throne. And I'm going to ask God to deepen your relationship. I'm going to ask God to bless your marriage. And I'm going to ask God to help you to practice these three things. Father, we just come to you this morning. Lord, we just love you. We appreciate all that you do for us. Father, thank you for reaching down into our lives and and bringing us up out of the miry clay and setting our feet upon a rock and, and, and giving us salvation, eternal life. Lord, we just we can't thank you enough. Now, Father, we're coming to you on behalf of our relationship with our spouses. We're coming to you on behalf of, of, of our, our, our loved one. And, Father, I pray this morning for each one of these people that are standing. Father, you see them. Father, I pray specifically for each and every one of them that, Father, you would lay your hand upon that relationship. That, God, you would bless their marriage. As we close this series out, Father, would you bless this relationship? Would would they help them, remind them of the importance of practicing patience every day? Remind them of practicing faith. Remind them of endurance. God, help them to practice this every single day because love prospers when there's forgiveness. Love prospers when there's grace bestowed. So, Father, we beg of you, we pray that you'd have your hand upon each relationship and that each person standing would practice humility, would practice being gentle and practice loving each other. Put Help them to put their spouse first before their own needs, before their own wants, and their own desires. God, may you strengthen our church by strengthening our marriages. Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand as Judy's going to give announcements.